in lands with, here it is, <laughs> with persecutions. Amen. And in this world to come eternal life, but many that are first shall be last. Praise God. And the last first. You ever allow yourself in that mindset where you feel like you've left all? You're not alone. There have been many, many, many individuals that have been in the very steps that you are walking in right now. The book of Mark is a pretty fascinating book. I, I, I love studying this book. And we've been studying this book for quite some time now, and we'll probably be studying it for uh, some time longer. Amen. But I've come to understand, and I hope you have come to understand, that there are layers to this eternal book. You can take one word, just one word, and you can dissect that word. And we talked about this on Thursday. Sometimes we can hear a sermon, and we can shut the man of God off. We can shut somebody off because we've heard that sermon before. But when I hear that, I, it, it, it comes to my mind that uh, when we shut someone off, when we shut God's word off, we're really telling God that you don't have anything else that you can teach me from this passage. But then on the flip side, how many of us have heard or read a passage and we've told ourselves, I've never heard it preached like that. I've never read the word of God, that scripture reference, and God has never expounded it to me on that premise before. You see, when we shut God off, we shut him out of him trying to reveal an important nugget that we might need at that time. So we should always have ears to hear. The Bible is the only book in which a person can receive life's challenging answers to life's challenging questions. And so just for a few minutes, I want to try to see what this living document, this book of Mark, this, this scripture reference has for us tonight. We're going to start by turning our attention towards Peter in his conversation, if you would. Peter's responding to Jesus as he says, we have left all and we've followed thee. When, this, when the disciples decided to make uh, a commitment, I don't know if they really understood that a commitment comes with a decision, a long-term decision. Did they really understand the value of that commitment? Do we really understand the value of the very things that we've committed to God? The very things that we committed to 
our marriage relationship that some of us are involved in. Anybody that's been married, amen, or, are, or is married, should I say, understands what I'm talking about. It takes work. It takes work to develop in a relationship. Commitment always, always, always comes with a price tag. In fact, Jesus said giving our all includes persecutions. Listen to how Jesus explains this concept in John chapter 16, verses 32 and 33. He said, behold, look, take a look. The hour cometh, yea, and is now come that you shall be scattered. Something's going to happen. Something is going to test your commitment. If you say you have value in your commitment to God, your commitment to each other, there's always these life's wedges that try to wedge themselves in between you and whatever you've made a commitment to. It's always going to happen. Whether it's coming to church, whether it's spending more time with your family, whatever it is, whatever you've made a commitment to, there's always going to be these life-challenging choices that will try to wedge itself in between you and your commitment. He goes on to say, every man to his own and shall leave me alone. Yea, is now come that you shall be scattered every man to his own and shall leave me alone. Yet he understood where he was. He understood who he was because of the next statement. Yet I am not alone because. Because the Father is with me. When you're ever feeling lonely or disconnected, when you ever feel like you're scatterbrained, am I talking to anybody here today? You ever feel like things are just not going right? Things are falling apart at the seams, praise God. You feel like everybody's leaving you and the very thing that you made a commitment to, it just seems to be falling apart. But Jesus said, I've made a decision and I've committed something to God. And even though everything feels like it's falling apart, thou art with me. Such confidence in who he was. Why? Because he knew who he was. And I want to let you know tonight, you are sons and daughters of God. He says, yet I am not alone because the Father is with me. How true this statement is. God shall never leave you. He shall never forsake you. He's always there even when you don't feel him. 
The reason why we don't feel him is because our mind can be so clouded from the things of this world, from the things that we let inside, in between our commitment, in between the very thing that we gave to God. He says, these things I have spoken unto you that in me you might have peace. In the world you shall have tribulation. Anybody familiar with that? But be of good cheer. It doesn't matter what you go through. It doesn't matter how people accuse you of certain things. If they do, when they do. Be of good cheer. You ought to rejoice, praise God, for every trial that you persevere through because God is with you. Job realized this when the accusations came against him. And the accuser of the brethren is always there to accuse, to disrupt. But God said, "Uh uh-uh. It's not going to happen. Job recognized that there was something special about Job. You've made a hedge about him. I can't get to him. In this world you should have tribulation. Be a good cheer. I have overcome the world. What's a commitment? A commitment is an agreement or a pledge to do something or keep something in the present and in the future. In our previous lesson, those that were here, we read about a rich man and his understanding of what it would take to inherit the kingdom of God. The Bible says he walked away sorrowfully Why did he walk away sorrowfully? Because he wasn't willing to give up what he had. He was looking through the wrong set of glasses. What's your vision tonight? How do you perceive your walk with God? Do we get distracted because something happens in our life? Do we look at God any less because God allows certain things in our lives? These things that God allow in our lives, amen, is not to hurt you, but it's to develop you. It's to make you stronger, praise God. Because there's going to be another trial, another test, praise God. And as you persevere through each test, that is a stepping stone to where God is trying to get you because God has a purpose for each and every one of us, praise God. And in order to achieve that purpose, amen, God has to allow certain things in your life. This is what builds us. This is what helps us. Praise God. So don't Push away, amen. 
what God is trying to do in your life. Don't criticize where you are in life, praise God. As long as your heart is right, as long as you stay connected to God, you're going to be all right, praise God. God is not going to let you down. Remember, he is faithful. He's faithful. He loves you. Proverbs 21 verses 1 and 2 says this. It says, A king's heart is in the hand of the Lord. As the rivers of water, he turneth it whithersoever it will. And then he makes this statement. He says, Every way of a man is right in his own eyes. But the Lord pondereth. He dissects the very heart of man. You can't hide. I can't hide nothing from God. I can look good up here, praise God. I can be walking down the street with a nice suit and tie. But that doesn't mean that I'm right with God. Because God ponders the heart. He knows the mind, praise God. So we need to do our very best to be separated from the very thing that tries to penetrate our commitment with God. And it always comes down to a decision, my friend. We have the choice. I have the choice whether I want to fully commit myself to God or I want to live for God half-heartedly. It's my choice and I can fool you, praise God, but I can't fool the master. I can never get over on God. He's God. Daniel chapter 2 verses 21 through 23 says this, And he, God... Changes the times and the seasons, the things that you go through, the times, the circumstances. He removes kings and he sets up kings, things that would try to rise above the very thing of God. I like this. He says, he giveth wisdom unto the wise. He gives wisdom to the wise. He increases the wisdom that you already have. Wisdom to do what? Wisdom to make the right decisions, the right choices, and to act upon them. To act upon them. And knowledge to those, to them, that know understanding. He reveals the deep and secret things. He knows what's in the darkness. And the light dwells with him. I thank God and praise thee, O God of my fathers, who hath given me wisdom, Daniel says, and might. Wisdom and might. Everyone say wisdom and might. Wisdom and might. And has made known unto me what we desired of thee. Wow. God, praise God, allows you by his mercy, amen, to desire him. 
You have the opportunity. You, you can make a choice, amen. But it's up to each individual to do that. You can turn God away. You can push God back. You can resist him if you want. For thou hast made known unto us the king's matter. As I was reading this setting here, I thought about my own life. And I thought about how God in his mercy exposed the darkness in my life. Those areas that those areas that needed to be dealt with. I didn't have to let him in. I didn't have to let him, praise God, deal with my heart. I could have resisted God. Praise the Lord. I could have pushed God away. I could have told myself, I'm going to be fine. I'm going to be okay, praise God. The Bible tells me that Jesus came while I was yet a sinner and he died for me. He took on the very nature of human flesh to save me, to save you. He suffered on an old rugged cross 2,000 years ago because he knew that if I would remain in my condition, I would never have a relationship with God. And I would never be in a position where I or you could make a commitment to him. None of us. And then we look at the book of Proverbs, which is a powerful, powerful book. Proverbs chapter 4, verse 7 through 9 says, Wisdom... Wisdom. Wisdom is the principal thing. Principle is defined as of the highest importance. The first fruits, Brother Brad. The beginning. It's the highest thing. Wisdom is the highest thing. It's the principal thing. And so the writer says, therefore, Get wisdom. With all thy getting, get understanding. Get wisdom and get understanding. And then in verse 8 he says, Exalt her and she shall promote thee. She shall bring thee to honor when you embrace her. Wisdom is something to embrace. It's something to get a hold of, praise God. And when you have the wisdom of God, He gives you understanding. He gives you instruction. And if you have enough wisdom, if you have enough understanding, when God gives you instruction, amen, you could step in that realm, amen, and instruction will strengthen you. So when the winds of change do come, amen, and try to blow you off track, amen, you will be founded on the word of God and you shall not be moved. 
Nothing will move you out of your place, amen. We see that in the book of Job. The, the, the slew foot, slew foot came, took his family, took his cattle, took everything that was productive in his life. But Job sat there as a living testimony and he said, blessed be the name of the Lord. I came into this world naked and I'm leaving the same way. And everything I have in the middle is a blessing from God. And we need to come to that understanding that everything we possess, our children, our finances, our job, our ability to come to church is a blessing from God. And the more and the faster we understand that, praise God, the stronger we're going to get, praise God. We have to allow God to reveal the dark places in our lives. Verse 9 says, she shall give thine head an ornament of grace. What a powerful, powerful statement. An ornament of grace, an ornament of power. Remember, grace, grace is a living seed. Is that right, Brother Lonnie? It's a living seed, praise God. When God plants his seed into human flesh, amen. Grace is there. It empowers you to move in the will of God, in the purpose of God. And there's two letters that identify this word grace, praise God. One of them is a fence, praise God. A, 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 a hedge, if you will. The other one is a living, breathing seed, amen. And wherever you go, you have a hedge of protection around you. Nothing can penetrate that fence. Nothing can penetrate that hedge. And that's what the devil was dealing with. You got a hedge about him and I can't touch him. And sometimes we get caught up on our own stuff. We all do it. We get so overwhelmed and so caught up on our own stuff. That God has to open the hedge a little bit and let some things in so you can get your mind and your heart back in the flow of the Holy Ghost. We get caught up in our own stuff and we forget about the purpose of God. And we start lacking on our commitment. Crown of glory. Mm. Upon revealing the reality of the rich man's heart, Jesus pointed out the rich man's condition and made this statement. Jesus says, where your treasure is, that's where your heart is also. You see, the revelation of this story is not just separating ourselves from material substance, the rich man, but separating ourselves from our worldly mindset and desires. Nothing wrong with wanting a few things in life. I'm not talking about that. But when these few things in life 
are erected in our lives. And it takes priority over God's stuff, God's purpose. Then we have a problem. Then we have an issue. The true question for us in this day of opportunity, and it is an opportunity, is what is the greater of value to us, to our world, to our lives? When Jesus asked his disciples to follow him, what was Jesus really asking? Jesus was asking them to make good of the opportunity that was set before them. Make good of the opportunity. Our lives can be taken from us tomorrow. Work the day as it is still day. There's going to be time when it's night and we won't be able to work. Is that possible, Pastor? Yes, look at COVID. Took a long time to get people back to church, amen, because some are still out because they're afraid. You see, we must identify with him. It's Jesus who brings us to the door of opportunity and gives us wisdom and foresight to walk through that door of opportunity. It's the wisdom of God. Hello. It's the wisdom of God. Everything here on earth will soon disappear and the spiritual things that we should value is greater than anything the world can offer. Nothing can match the good news which is found in the gospel. Nothing. Nothing, 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 nothing. Nothing can compare to the things that God has for us. The unseen things. The real world. The eternal world. The world that every one of us is going to have a part in. And every one of us has a decision to make a commitment on where we want to spend eternity. We can look good in the house of God, but is our commitment, our heart, our mind focused on what is good and holy? God does not play games. God does not play games. He is not a plastic Jesus on your dashboard where you can rub his little belly and wish for something. That's not the Jesus the Bible is talking about. And so he says, there's no man that hath left house or brethren or sister or father or mother or wife or children or lands for my sake and the Gospels. The first thought, the first picture we see in Mark chapter 10 and verse 28 says, There's no man that left, that, that hath left house, implies the word structure, which is a picture of our life here on earth and all the worldly influences that have built us up and molded us into what we are today. Brother Joe had touched on that. A little bit. 
This includes how we were raised, the environment that we were associated with when we grew up, the various areas of influence that helped shape and mold us from a very young age through adulthood. It's what formed us. Many aspects, worldly things that have taught us and it has molded us. Isn't it amazing how God can take something broken and repair it and put the pieces back together and use it for his glory and his purpose? That's why the Bible says in Romans 8, 28, all things work together for the good to them that love God and who are called according to his purpose. And when God created you, when God saw you, and I'm not talking your physical creation, when God saw you, he knew you, he gave you an assignment, he knew exactly what he wanted for your life. He wrote it down on paper. This is what I want so and so to do. And as long as you followed God's purpose and his voice and his instruction, amen, God has something marvelous and wonderful and grandeur for your life. Sometimes we can... We can get off track and we think, man, I messed up and I know things were working good for me, praise God, but there's no way God can forgive me now. God's purpose doesn't change because you make a mistake. Remember, all things work together for good. He knows you're going to make the mistake. He knew it before he even created you, praise God. The awesome thing about God is he prepares the way before you. You can't fool God. You can't catch God by surprise. He knows what you're going to do. He knows where you're going to go. He doesn't want you to do some things, but he knows you're going to do it. He's the future. He knows all about you. He knows all about me. The second picture is our social status, which includes our relationships, brethren and sisters and fathers and mothers, wives, children, friends, co-workers. The final picture describes lands or places of productivity. This can be good or bad areas. Jesus said, when it's all said and done, there's only one thing that is worth any value, and that is the gospel, the word of God, in whom Jesus has placed you and me into a position of influence to change lives. Just like God has placed someone in your path to change your life, God is placing you in someone else's path to change their lives. And the kingdom of God grows and grows and grows and grows as long as we follow, everyone say instruction. Me and Lonnie went over this last night, Brother Lonnie. The Bible is an acronym for basic instructions before leaving earth. Basic instructions before leaving earth. I went through this last night with Lonnie, but when you look at the Hebrew word instruction, it's made up of four letters. 
The first letter is a letter called Mem. It's a picture of many waters. It's a picture of multiplicity. It's a picture of might or strength. The word Mem. Multiplicity. Many functions to God and instructions will help you in many, many, many areas. As long as we're willing to follow instructions. You go on a job and they give you instructions to, to complete your task. Christmas time, you're buying gifts, amen. They put little instructions in there which I don't read and I always seem to it doesn't always seem like it's supposed to be. Something doesn't work, and my wife, she has to tear it all apart. And this is the way you do it. The second letter is the word vav. And it, it's a picture of a nail. It's, it's bringing things together or nailing something down, two pieces uh, where, where it, it, it nails something down. And nail is, nail is a conjunction which ties words or phrases together. What do I mean? There could be a phrase that says, Johnny went to the store because he was hungry. So the word because is a conjunction. It brings these two phrases together to complete the sentence or the thought. Shamak is a picture of something that supports something. And when you follow instructions, the Word of God, the instructions through the Word of God will support you. It will strengthen you. It will give you the ability to hold things up. And finally, the last one is the letter Resh. Resh is a picture of a man's head. And so what this means is instruction is might and multiplicity that is given, vav, to support man. Instruction. It's given to strengthen you. Every one of us has a structure in the world when we came to God. This was our support system, if you will. But it was a faulty system. And so when God came, God gave us a different structure with instructions. Instructions is the very root word structure, and in, as we've talked about, it's an inward structure. God's word builds us inwardly, and it strengthens us. Instruction. And when we listen to the word of God, God gives us wisdom. So when we hear instruction, we will be able to apply that to our lives, and it gives us stability. Stability. Support. Praise God. Luke 9, 1 says this, and I'm closing. Then he called his 12 disciples together. Everyone say together. together. 
and gave them, watch this, because they listened to instruction, he gave them power and he gave them authority over all the devils and to cure diseases. And he sent them to preach the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. Jesus finishes this by saying, or by reminding his followers, in order to receive eternal life, it must come through a life of totally submitting ourselves to one another and to God. And this takes great wisdom to understand. You have to understand that many shall be called first, shall be last, and the last shall be first. It is a life of commitment. It's a life of servanthood. It's a life of servanthood. Praise God. So regardless of what you go through, regardless of what you face, there's a hedge about you. You're moving in this world within the fence of God, within the hedge of God. Praise God. Let's stand. Why don't we lift our hands? I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Praise God. If you want to come and spend some time with the Lord, these altars are open. Thank you.